Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome to the Learning Unlocked podcast, presented by Open Sesame. Taking a deep dive into the global world of learning and development with practical tips and tricks, along with insights from leading brands and the people that make them work. This is Learning Unlocked. Now, here's your host, Brian Berger. My guest is Ben Eubanks. He is the Chief Research Officer for Lighthouse Research and Advisory. He's the host of the We're Only Human podcast. He's the author of Artificial Intelligence for HR. You can find more about him at lhra.io. Ben, welcome to the Learning Unlock podcast. How are you? I am doing really well, sir, and glad to be here. Yeah, thanks for joining me. Tell us and our listeners about how Lighthouse started. Goodness gracious. So I used to be a practitioner, right? HR leader, ran a team. And one of the things that I had to make the decision on is, do I want to care for and support the people who are under my my care and feeding here, right, as the HR leader? Or do I want to impact the people at uncounts, uncounted numbers of other organizations? And so I made the leap in 2014, 2016, right in that time frame, to the research side of things. And really wanted to understand, turn over the rocks. I'm professionally curious. I want to understand some of the trends that were shaping the space, some of the technologies that were shaping the space, and how to support employers so they could support their people. So that's how we started all those years ago. And it's been an incredible and fun journey ever since because I've been able to help employers cover all these really interesting areas from learning development to employee engagement to right? Performance and how we get the best out of our people and all those kinds of things. Yeah, you do a great job of leveraging technology to create a more human experience at work. How do you do that? So uh, the book, Artificial Intelligence for HR, is a right. great example of that. Yep. It's it's really easy to see. It's really easy to see that title and think, oh, this is about how do we replace people? How do we automate the things people are doing? And the truth is, some of the work that you and I do and everyone else listening in every single day is a little bit robotic. It's a little bit repetitive. It's a little bit mundane. And it is my belief that some of the tools that are being developed, some of the tools that are already out in the market, those technologies can help us to pull those things out of the work that we don't enjoy very much, some of those repetitive tasks, and allow us to focus on those things that bring our true human skills to, to bear, things like creativity, collaboration, critical thinking, curiosity, those things that make us very separate and distinct from technology. That's the future I'm excited about when it comes to work. And that's how we can leverage technology to make work more human in the end. Yeah. Give me an example, like a real life example, maybe that you've worked on with one of your clients on, 
you know, how you, you don't replace them, but you allow technology to help them do their job better. Sure. So a great example of that is in recruiting, for example, right? There's not a single person out there that is doing recruiting, whether they're 100 dedicated or they're wearing that hat among other hats. There's not a single person out there that says, you know what I want to do today? I want to look at 150 <laughs> resumes and pick the 10 that I'm going to call back. You know, no one gets excited about that. Right On the learning side, no one gets excited about, I want to go through every piece of learning content in our catalog and tag every one of those with all the topics. And yet that's part of our jobs. And so if we're using some of the algorithms, some of the technologies, right, if we can use those tools to do that piece of it, we can spend the time that we have left on the parts that really do get us excited. For example, in recruiting, when I recruited, the thing that I loved most was really connecting with a candidate, understanding their biggest priorities and how the work we had to offer, the work environment we had to offer, the relationships we had to offer, all those things fit in and solve those things they were really looking for. If they had hot buttons or issues with a previous job or a previous manager, I was always looking for ways for us. How do we fit in and solve some of those things? Do we fix all of them? No, but that's the part that really excited me about that. And again, it it applies in learning. It applies in all these areas, especially within HR, because it's the human focused side of the business. And so when we're talking about how to train people better, we're talking about how to develop their skills. We're talking about how to give them a leg up on their next career step, all those kind of things. This really fits well into that picture. Sidetrack on HR for a minute, uh, since you're Mm -hmm. an expert in this area you know, the last few years have really changed the landscape of, of work. And I've had a lot of people on this podcast who have talked a little bit about that. What are you seeing from where you sit on how things have changed with hiring and retaining employees and educating employees? It seems like that's really changed a lot in the last couple of years. Absolutely. Yes. In some cases, yes. How about this? In some cases, not at all. The things that were always important are now even more important, I would say. So when, when employers are saying, I had a call yesterday with a company, how do we keep our people? We're, they're turning over, they're, we're losing them. How do we keep them? And I said, for better or for worse, it comes down to those things that we all know are important and we just don't do. And for a long time, when times are good, there's, you know, talent is plentiful. You can throw a rock and hit 10 people who can do the job. You should have picked one to hire. When in times like that, we can afford to be a little bit lazy as employers. We can afford to be a bit slack or not focused on the priorities. When when it's really a tight talent market, when people are, are hard to find and especially qualified people, you have to turn up the heat on doing the right things. And that comes down to really prioritizing that relationship with that manager and that employee. The data we have that we gathered last year, we call it the great reprioritization, which is so much harder to say than the great resignation, but it's so much more <laughs> accurate because when you look at the actual data, the data tell us that employees are saying, hey, I'm raising my hand over here. I don't want to leave. I don't want to quit. If you don't do something, I have no other choice though. What the data tell us is that if someone says, I don't feel supported by my direct manager, which has always been important, right? In any job, but especially now, if they don't feel supported by their direct manager, they're twice as likely to leave, not at some vague point in the future, but within the next 30 days. Wow. So so there's so much data that says that these kinds of things have always mattered, but they matter more now than ever. We can't afford to let those things slide because by the time you turn your attention back to it, try to solve for it, that person will be gone. Well, and it seems like organizations are cherry picking employees from other organizations more so than ever before in the last couple of years. So if you're not happy at your current employer, you're easier to woo away from your current employer. Yes, that's actually one of the things I talk about pretty frequently 
in that uh, big study we did last year, at the very end of last year, we found that the top things that matter to people at work, I talk about that from a retention perspective. Okay, if for this age group, for example, the things they care most about are work-life balance, as an example. Okay, well, when you're talking to someone in a recruiting conversation, you shouldn't just assume they're going to bring that up. You should bring that up proactively and talk about how you enable flexibility for your workforce. Well, that's also a great example of things you should be doing when you're you're going out there trying to lever them out of another company. Talk about those things, highlight those things you do differently. Use that not just as a way to keep your existing people, but try to use that to lever someone out of a company where they're not very happy. There's there's a lot of research that says when you start highlighting those things, people are not very satisfied with, even if they they think they're good, right? When they pick up the phone, if you can highlight those things that are a little bothersome, little things that just friction points, irritate them about their current job, their current company, they'll be much more open to a conversation and let you paint a picture of what their future could look like over at your company once you start having the recruiting conversation. More of Learning Unlocked is coming up after this. Diversity, equity, and inclusion continues to be a top priority for businesses everywhere. Open Sesame has created a survey that will give you insight into where your organization stands on diversity. Aside from being educational, this survey is a powerful tool to help you understand areas of improvement and spark conversations about strategies for creating a more inclusive and equitable workplace. After you take the short survey, you'll get access to Open Sesame's DEI Toolkit, an online hub where you can find additional resources. Visit opensesame.com today to start your survey. Back to Learning Unlocked. Here's Brian Berger. You've highlighted a few of these, but what are generally the characteristics that great organizations have? We could spend an hour on that alone, but I'll tell you that one of the things we're seeing pretty frequently in our research, both in conversations with leaders who are doing it well, as well as just the data itself, those companies that are high performing, companies who have better revenue, better retention, better employee engagement numbers, metrics that all of us care about, those companies are doing a couple things differently. They're really prioritizing the development of their people, not just I'm going to help you develop this skill today to do your job better because we'll benefit as an employer. But what do you want to be long term and how can we help enable you to to reach that goal you have, whether it's personal or professional? How do we help you achieve that goal that you have as an individual? We're seeing the rise of so many of these coaching solutions that allow each person in the company to have access to a coach. It's right there behind them, guiding them, supporting them, helping them in the perfect world. Every manager would would take the time to talk with their people, to support them, to, to make sure they're enabling them to be their very best. And yet none of us live in that perfect world of you know, Skittles and rainbows and unicorns. For most of us, there are there are leaders that are good at that, but many leaders have not been developed, have not been prepared for that, have not been enabled to do that well. And the story I always tell is when I one of the companies I worked with who was not a great company, great example of what not to do years ago. They their supervisor training consisted of a week of don't do this, don't do that, Ooh. thou shalt not, or bad things happen. And at the end of the week, I said, Hey, when are we going to tell them what they should aspire to? <laughs> what when are we going to set a higher bar? Right? We just set this low threshold of don't do this or bad things happen, but we never tell them what we expect. And that's as silly as that sounds. So many companies do that. They pick leaders based on how long they've been there, based on you know their tenure, all those other kind of things that are completely irrelevant to whether they'll be qualified and capable as a leader. We need to pick them based on their proclivity for exhibiting leadership behaviors that we appreciate, right? In nerd speak, let's look for those things that we care about, those leaders who recognize people, those leaders who help their people level up, 
those leaders who give feedback right there in the moment when it happens, whether critical or positive, doesn't matter, giving feedback right there when it happens. Those are all things that high-performing companies do. They have a lot of managers that do those things. And that makes those companies higher performing because each one of those leaders isn't just managing and watching the tasks of their people. They're amplifying the value that every employee under their under their wing is able to, to bring. And that excites me in so many ways. If we can get every leader to be like our best leaders, that would change the workplace dramatically. Ben, one of the challenges of the last few years, many companies have gone to remote working. So how do you manage people in the ways that you just described, but you got to do it remotely? You're not sitting there with them in person in many cases. I met with a leader recently, and in all this discussion about turnover and everything else, she manages a team of recruiters. And what we're seeing in the data is, as an example, a data point there, job postings for recruiters are 5x what they were pre-pandemic. Mm-hmm. Employers are struggling with with finding talent, and one of the ways they're doing it, you said cherry picking a minute ago, right? They're cherry picking these recruiters from their com- their competitors so they can hire faster. Well, so recruiters are in high demand; that the pay rates are going off the charts. And she told me that she has not lost a single recruiter on her team in the last year. And I said, "Well, I've got to know what you're doing. Like, how in the world are you able to do this? Because no one else can say that." And she said, "It all comes down to time." I have blocked a considerable portion of my calendar where I do nothing but spend time one-on-one with each person throughout the weeks. Hmm. And that's those moments. Sometimes it's just commiseration. We're just talking about how, how crummy something is or how much we're not happy with the way something is. That's fine. But sometimes it's a question about, hey, how can I do this? How did you get to this? How do we achieve this? And sometimes those conversations are about their career, their focus, the things they're trying to achieve. But it's just spending some time with them. We've actually did a, an analysis recently in a piece that I was writing about that looked at the actual cost of doing that weekly one-on-one with your people for 30 minutes versus the cost of turning over one employee and using the median wage for employee for an employee and average salary for a manager. If you throw those things down there and say for the cost of an entire year, it's less than $3,000 to have them get together once a week for 30 minutes. But to lose one employee, especially a specialized one, can cost tens of thousands of dollars. Right. And yet managers say, oh, I just don't have time. You're, when are you going to have time? When that person leaves, you're going to have less time, buddy. So you might want to jump into it now. Let's make it happen. Yeah, that's a great, great point that I think a lot of people don't consider. All right, so you're a podcast host. You host We're Only Human, as I mentioned at the top of this conversation. Tell us about that podcast. How did you start it? What are you talking about on your podcast? Goodness. So I'm having conversations similar to this one where I'm talking to different HR leaders, talent leaders, learning leaders about their priorities, what they're doing, problems they're solving, things like that. So recently, I'm as an example, I had the CHRO for the city of Memphis, mm-hmm. Alex Smith. She came on and she talked about how you run HR in a very public setting, right? The things she does are under public scrutiny in a way that many HR leaders listening to this, many learning leaders listening to this are not. And so she talks about some of those kinds of things. And it was a fantastic conversation because she she shares a lot of wisdom, but also just she is so upbeat and positive about the future of the work we get to do. So I talk to a lot of leaders like that. It's my job, especially in the last two years, but I feel like it's going to be my lifelong mission, not just to bring information and education, but also some encouragement to those people who are doing this work every day. Because when people are standing up and celebrating and clapping, the nurses and the frontline workers and things like that in the last couple of years, no one's doing that for the people who are actually hiring them, who are training them, who are making sure they're paid on time and onboarded and all those other kind of things. And I want to make sure that 
all of those people listening into that and all the people listening in here know that the work you're doing matters, it's meaningful, and people appreciate it, even if you don't always hear it every day. More of Learning Unlocked is coming up after this. Open Sesame helps companies develop the world's most productive and admired workforces. How? By having the most comprehensive catalog of e-learning courses from the world's top publishers, publishers like TED and Harvard. And having courses that cover learning topics like diversity, equity, and inclusion, leadership development, safety and compliance, and wellness. Try a course for free today by visiting opensesame.com backslash course of the week. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Back to Learning Unlocked. Here's Brian Berger. When you're hosting your podcast, what are some of the key trends that you're learning about from your guests that our listeners should be paying attention to? That's a really good question. I'll say that overall, the things that make great HR at any company, great learning impact at any company. Those things broadly are pretty similar. And we've covered some of those already in the conversation. Mm-hmm. Right? We don't we don't have the ability to do all the work ourselves. We've got to get our managers, our leaders on board with us. I have an episode coming out soon with the head of leadership selection at the Mayo Clinic. And we're talking about how they pick leaders and the priorities they set when they are trying to select someone for a leadership role. There are some really nuanced and specific things you'll learn from any of these stories. And it's my encouragement that no one just tries to copy paste what somebody else is doing because that's that's going to lead to failure usually, right? You'll trip, you'll fall because your culture is not the same. Your leadership isn't the same. The resources you have aren't the same. But if you take an idea from that and say, hey, we're going to stop picking our leaders based on random chance, flip of the coin or you know, whoever happens to show up longest and six round longest, they didn't quit after 10 years. So let's put them in a leadership role, right? We're going to avoid decisions like that and say, instead, we're going to pick the person that acts like we want a leader to act. Oh, wow. That's, that seems radical. And yet they're doing that. And it's one of the things that they credit their success to as an organization is that we are a world leader in so many areas of medicine, not because of any one individual superstar performer, but because we elevate leaders who elevate the people that work with them. So I think that's the big thing that I come away with from these stories are overall, it's about loving your people, taking care of them, supporting them well. But you'll come away with some specific stories and examples, depending on who it is, to help you with people analytics, to help you with learning, to help you with selection and recruiting, all these kind of things. And that excites me so much because for me, it's research. Every conversation is. But it's also a chance to remind everybody else out there that, hey, someone else has blazed this path already. They've already fallen and got the bumps and bruises. And you can learn from their story so you can follow in their footsteps. Yeah, that's great. Um, a few minutes left. So Ben, you give a variety of talks. Why don't you tell us about some of those topics and, and what are you speaking about when you're out there? The conversation today is revolved a lot around the research and that's what I come back to. But unlike most researchers, it's not a bunch of charts and graphs and you know, kind of make your eyes bleed. Instead, it's here's a couple key stats, but then here's some stories wrapped around that to make make this make sense for you, to help you understand how others are pursuing this, this problem, solving it, things like that. So we have, a, have a, a talk I've done a couple of times this year that I really love around the great reprioritization data, helping employers see that 
unlike the news headlines that say this great resignation wave is going to crush you and there's nothing you can do about it. Instead of seeing that, it's, hey, guess what? Your people are, there are the things they need. Here are the priorities they have. And here's some actionable strategies and ideas on how to actually solve for that, giving them some education and some hope for the future. Um, I also talk a lot about AI and through the lens of, as I mentioned earlier, this isn't just about technologies and tools and the cool factor of that, even though I kind of can get wrapped up in that as a technology analyst, part of my job. The thing that I talk about mainly is here's some of the things they can do. And then let's take this conversation and turn it around a little bit and say, okay, if they're going to do this stuff, what does that mean for us? And so I talk a lot about the human skills of work and how we emphasize those and build those into our teams and build those into ourselves. So we're future-proofing ourselves for what's next. So I've been doing a lot of talks on those, on lots of different things across talent, across HR, because I, I get excited about every piece of it, but it really comes back to the root and the research and what it's telling us about what work looks like today and how to be successful long-term. Awesome. All right, let's end with this. In your bio, it says you run in a variety of outlandish races for fun. I need to know more about that. What kind of races are you running in? So just a few months ago was my last big one. I've done a couple of shorter ones since then, but I did a 12-hour event. Whoa. And so unlike most events that's set on distance, this one's set on time. So in 12 hours, how far can you go? And I quit a few hours early because it was darn hot, my friend. And so I, I said, I can't handle any more of this. But I stopped at 41 miles this year. So I broke my record for the previous year. And I love doing that because at some point, it's less about the physical and more about the mental. How much are you willing to put up with? How far are you willing to go physically and mentally to make this happen? And so I love doing longer events and ultras, things like that, because it stretches me. And I'm never, every time I think I've hit the limit, there's no further. I'm completely done. I usually find there's a little bit farther I can go. That is super impressive. 41 miles. How did you get into that? Like, how did you get into so, running? I mean, I know. a lot of people say, I'm going to run a marathon. And, you know, again, there's the, this is how many miles you're going to run. You're just running for time. You're running 41 miles. You could be running like Forrest Gump back and forth across America. Hey, you know what? I'm based in Alabama. So I, I, know. Can, I can do the, I can do the Forrest Gump accent <laughs> really well if I needed to. I, the thing that gets me, so I'll tell you this, everything's a spectrum, right? So for someone who said, well, goodness, I just did my first 5K or I'm going to run a half and that sounds crazy. I'm out there running this event and I am chatting with someone who I've seen for many hours, obviously, at this event. So I'm chatting with some of the people I'm meeting. And one of the guys said, yep, this is on warm-up. Said, what do you mean? He said, I'm doing a three-day event, a 72-hour event next month. And I'm using this just to warm up and get, you know, get the kinks out. So wow. I am always astounded and amazed because the human body, the human spirit has has boundaries that most of us think, again, we think we know what they are. And usually we are selling ourselves way short on what we're able to do. So I, I got into this many years ago because the year I got married, I was reading a book called The uh, Ultra Marathon Man. I'm a big reader. I love books. And this is a story of a man who had kind of a midlife crisis. And instead of buying a car, he went for a run. And eventually the, the book culminates in him running a 200 mile race just to prove that the human body doesn't break down at that sort of distance. And so I was like, well, 200 is way, way, way outside my spectrum, but I could probably do 31 miles. Let's, let's see that. And so uh, one of my good friends who I've met in the Marines, uh, he was a, he was a Marine that I hired out of the Marines and we run together for many years. He said the, the line between you know, bravery and stupidity is very, very fine. And so he and I, 
explored that line many times running those longer races and those longer experiences, kind of putting things on the line, but it was, it's just an amazing thing. And I, I encourage everybody, if the running's not your thing, find the thing that does inspire you, that does excite you, that does encourage you to, to push some boundaries. I've recently taken up solving the Rubik's cube and I'm trying to get that down to like three or four minutes, you know, trying to do it fast. So I just had fun pushing the boundaries and trying to find out what else my brain can do. I love it. Ben Eubanks, chief research officer for Lighthouse Research and Advisory. He's the host of the We're Only Human podcast. Find that on podcast platforms everywhere. And he's author of Artificial Intelligence for HR. Learn more about him at lhra.io. Ben, thanks for joining me on the Learning Unlock podcast. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I really appreciate the questions, the thoughtful questions and conversation. Excellent. Have a great day. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Learning Unlocked, presented by Open Sesame. Download this and every episode on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Learning Unlocked is produced by Griggs Productions.